war as entertainment, time travel in video games, winking at the camera, love for the underappreciated RTS genre, and the lost, or maybe not so lost, art of the FMV. I'm the Well-Read Mage, and this is MageCast, Red Mage reporting for another episode proving that MageCast will talk about anything. In our sights this time around is a blast from the past, Command and Conquer, Red Alert 1, 2, and yes, Cheesy 3. Plumbing the depths of these alternate timelines with me is John, aka Sector 6, YouTuber and expert theorist whose experience scrutinizing potentialities is the right weapon for the job in this discussion. We're camping on the campy and witnessing a fictional timeline unfold while watching the RTS genre burgeon and develop before our eyes with the Red Alert trilogy. Watch out for Tesla coils and don't forget to shake it, baby. MageCast is the podcast for the lonely, for those who miss the simple pleasure of a shared dialogue. MageCast is the podcast for conversationalists in a world where we've already stopped listening to each other. As ever, you can help support MageCast by visiting patreon.com forward slash the pixels, where episodes are offered in early access before going live for the public, most of the time, really depending on when I record these. You can also learn more at thepixels.com. Don't forget to join our Discord. There's a link in the podcast description. Or you can find me on Twitter and Twitch at The Well Read Mage. Now, let's start the show. Welcome, my friends, back to MageCast. Here we've got the allied forces together. Myself, The Well Read Mage, a.k.a. Moses Norton. How are you? Thanks for being here. And with me as well, from across the pond is John, a.k.a. Sector 6. How are you, sir? I'm good. My arms are a little bit tired after that swim, but I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. A bit of a big <laughs> swim across that He's pond. He's literally here from across <laughs> the pond. Yes. Yeah. That's quite a swim. Oh. Do you believe people have have swum, yeah. had swam that? It's like, ludicrous in, to me. I, I in like, reality? I like getting in the swimming pool, do a couple of laps and pass out. I have to get rescued. Yeah, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine swimming in ocean. Yikes. Well, so uh, I think, you know, I well, I don't think, but I, I'm super glad to have you here, dude. The last time you and I talked was uh, <laughs> coincidentally on Final Fantasy VII Remake. And uh, I really appreciate that we could pull you away from Final Fantasy for just a little bit. I was about to uh, say, to like, me talk about Final Fantasy? No, right. surely not. <laughs> Do you ever get tired of talking about Final Fantasy? No, like not just, really. I don't, no? I don't <laughs> not really, not really. I that's get tired amazing. of other people talking about Final Fantasy sometimes, oh, but no, not so much me. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, so what have, you been, what have you been up to since we last chatted? What are you working on? Any upcoming projects we should keep an eye out for? Shockingly enough, it is mostly Final Fantasy related. Um, wow. <laughs> so over on the YouTube, we're kind of, we're kind of trying to bridge the gap to Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two, So I'm kind of going over each character's history in the original continuity, so, you know, like in the compilation so far, and trying mm -hmm. to predict where things will go for them. I've just dropped a Vincent video, which does that. Um, I've got a couple of plans for the next ones to come. I'm trying to balance it out between, like, new characters and older characters. Um, but other than that, I've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy Pixel remasters over on Twitch, twitch.tv, set to six. Yes, yes. But yeah, that's been fun. It's been it's been nice experience in those games again because a lot of them I haven't played for about 15, 20 years. Um, so yeah, it's been awesome. beautiful. It's been beautiful. Yeah, those have uh, those have been a real treasure. I think. Yeah. You know, there's there's still critical issues that I'd have with them, 100%. but 
I think they've made, especially the the real old ones, much more accessible. Uh, yeah, yeah. When when they first announced it, I kind of expected mm-hmm. those early ones to get the bigger jump. So, and it's been nice to see that they've put a lot of extra effort into six, though. I've noticed. Yeah, it certainly seems like they have. Mm. Uh, I noticed recently that Kefka's sprite has been just entirely. Yeah, redone. it's a lot brighter than the old sprite, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And they like they rebuilt his body. His cape is yep. different. Like if you look at the back, his like the the regalia that he has on is all different. So uh, it's interesting that yeah, they've lavished attention on certain things in that game. Can't wait to see the opera scene. Oh, you will love it. I'm I'm kind of I'm about three quarters of the way through now, and the opera scene is probably one of the peak moments of it for me. It's oh, insane. I can't imagine. So good. Seven Definitely. languages. Yeah, that's awesome. Madness. Good on them. Madness. That's cool. That is cool. Uh, well, I I swear to you, listeners, that'll be the last yeah, time we talk about Final Fantasy <laughs> for the entire podcast. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Mike comes up. That reminds me about like a Family Guy segment. That reminds me of the time that we talked about Final Fantasy. Cut yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, cut to you. Just living your best life. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Well, this is Magecast episode 73, entitled Hell March Madness. The Command and Conquer Red Alert trilogy is our subject today. Yes. Uh, It was developed and published by Westwood and Electronic Arts in 1996, 2000, and 2008. So, quite a big spread there. And actually, like, so I. And you did this as well, John. I I went back and I watched some of the the footage from these games. Um, I think I made it through almost all of the cutscenes. I didn't finish three quite, but it's <laughs> it's it's remarkable uh, the difference between like the cutscenes in that first 1996 Red Alert, yeah, and then when you get to 2008, and we'll we'll discuss obviously down the road here. But I think to kick us off. Uh, one thing that you and I were both aware of, certainly that our listeners are aware aware of and the world is aware of right now, uh, is the war happening between Ukraine and Russia. Now, I get this is a podcast about video games. Somebody clicked on it. They're like, I want to hear about video games. And it's irksome to me when I click on like a review for the PlayStation 4 and it's just somebody talking politics. So my point here to reassure everyone is not to talk politics, not to talk geopolitics, not to talk any of that, but just to say that we're aware of the timing of this subject. Uh, This is a war that a lot of people are worried about. I've got friends in Europe and talking with them. They, they seem very worried. This is kind of happening very close to them. Uh, closer to you, John, than it is to than it is to me geographically. Yeah, it's a little bit uh, messy. Um, there's a lot of things that could go wrong. Yeah, and I think that's what most people are concerned about. Mm. So Chernobyl you know, we was don't... definitely a big concern because there was the potential of like the containment there being breached, and if that was to happen, most of Europe would have some issues. So yeah, there are concerns. Yeah, yeah it's definitely a, a situation to be concerned about. I mean, this is. Russia like that's that's mm. huge they've been a big part of modern history so all that to say uh you know it's our it's our express purpose here to discuss the game that's yes. our topic uh our hearts go out to those who are suffering in the war obviously um but i think that there's an important talking point 
uh, here that doesn't typically get addressed, I think. And so I didn't want to miss the opportunity to discuss it in brief. And that's war as entertainment. Uh, When you (laughs) actually, I was recently browsing uh, a retro game shop and it was none other than one of our sponsors, Joypad Lad, whose shop you can check out online at joypadlad.com. Shout out Joypad Lad. Yes, shout out to Big Joypad Lad. Uh, I'm looking through uh, a bunch of his selection there and kind of picking out a few titles that I'd like. And I get to the, this happens to me every time. I get to the an Xbox section. Doesn't matter what store it is. I get to the Xbox section. I'm like, does every game either have like a ball that you kick or a car or a gun? That is like the entire like Xbox. It does kind of, yeah, it does kind of seem to. That is the bulk of gaming these days, really, isn't it? In a lot of right, yeah, or at least the mainstream kind of the thing that gets pushed into your face more than anything. You have to kind of look for other things. It's weird. Yeah, no, for sure. And I get that. I mean, it's totally fair to say that various systems throughout history have been dominated by yeah. certain genres. Uh, but clearly there's, there's a lot of war as entertainment in gaming and it's not my purpose here to villainize that or demonize that or say, Oh, you should feel guilty if you're playing this game or that game. But it's an interesting observation, uh, that, you know, here we are talking about the, the war with Russia and Ukraine and then command and conquer red alert pops up. And Ukraine and Russia are in this game, yep. and it's a it's about a European war. Um, I like how Sabine Figaro put it, uh, one of our friends on Twitter, who said, "Personally, I think the only place for war in the world is in entertainment." I'm nuts about the Command and Conquer series. Uh, not so much MP these days, but definitely the stories, cheesy FMVs, fantastic music, just one more mission structures. I love it. I don't usually love war films though. War games are absolute fiction, whereas war films tend to be close to real life. Real actors, realistic wounds, etc. I mean, there are some I like, but it's not a genre I gravitate to, whereas I'm happy to play hyper-fiction, like RTS titles or Call of Duty, etc. So I think that there's a great distinction there between, you know, very realistic uh, depictions of war and depictions of, like, actual specific wars. Like, we all know there's been, you know, plenty of World War II plenty of Cold War uh, video games that have been made. And then even more recently, there's been some based on the war in Iraq. Um, I feel like some of the, like a time difference kind of eases maybe the, the discomfort that some people may feel over that. So yeah. like we're several decades removed from World War II now, or like you play Age of Empires and like, I don't, feel anything oh 100 yeah. personally for like people who went through like benedictine wars or like byzantine wars or anything like that i don't know what benedictine wars are but it just rolled off the tongue uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> i think what do you think about that yeah. i think one of the big differences is the i think with war films and certain war games because it does depict things in a much more human way it causes that that pang of guilt and discomfort almost because you're actually seeing the person be affected whereas when you play Mm -hmm. more strategy based games like age of empires like command and conquer and things like that it's kind of a top-down perspective and you don't get that or at least you don't get as much of that personal connection with the characters they are just an amorphous group 
at that stage. Right. Whereas like right, right, right. with certain movies, like, I mean, I mean, there's so many war movies that kind of follow a specific character and you see that person go through pain and things like that, but you see the people around them suffer and yeah. it's easier to put yourself in that position then. And I think that's the big difference there. I, 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 that's how I feel about it, at least. I mean, I do agree with that. I tend not to gravitate to war movies myself. Um, oh, really? Okay. I, I don't think it's because of... I don't think it's like a particular discomfort. It's just not really that entertaining to me. But then I will play games like this and be thoroughly right. entertained. <laughs> so I see the, the, the split there, 100%. And this is definitely hyperfiction, yeah. for sure. I mean, this is not... Like I'm thinking of some of my favorite war films like Paths of Glory yeah. or uh, Grave of the Fireflies, uh, which is kind of like tangentially a war film yeah. Uh, that are really like about very emotional human suffering. Exactly, yeah. Uh, I think that with games, unless it's a very story-heavy game, you do kind of have that, that, that uh, step backwards of removal from the, the human emotion that yeah, can be it distances you from, from it. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it's less gladiatorial. Like I feel like people on the outside of the gaming hobby might look at something like Call of Duty or you know another fairly violent war game and think, oh, this glamorizes violence, this glorifies violence in a gladiatorial sense. Like, like gamers are just people going to like a Coliseum and like cheering as like yeah. Christians are being eaten by lions Woo, and stuff lion. like that. Right. <laughs> but I think that that's not quite the case. I love, so again, I love this distinction uh, between very realistic depictions yeah. and hyperfiction. And so as we move forward into this discussion of command and conquer, uh, it's hyperfiction. It is. It is very unlike uh, what's happening right now in the world. Um, yeah, it's almost like a parody I, of real life, almost in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, and there's good reasons for that. Yeah. So as we get as we get into it, uh, by the way, folks, this is a spoilers uh, yes. episode. Every episode <laughs> of Magecast is spoilers because you got to have a space. You have to have a long form space somewhere to talk about this stuff. You just do. It's 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 part of the the appreciation of the art form. Uh, but to get into that, some mage facts here. Now, Westwood Studios was the original developer of the Command and Conquer series. I don't know if you remember Westwood yep. at all, personally. Yeah. Oh yes, I uh, remember Westwood. Excellent. They were bought by Virgin Interactive Entertainment, and subsequently by Electronic Arts then later merged with EA LA uh, Westwood is remembered for creating several tactical and role-playing games and more, including Eye of the Beholder, uh, a couple of Dune games, Dune 2, Dune 2000, Battletech. And then this is one that sh like straight up surprised me. The Lion King, like the 16 bit Lion King game. That's like impossible. I actually did not know that. that I didn't know crazy. that before today. Yeah. That I like, <laughs> Westwood, I'm like shaking my fist at their memory because Lion King is not easy. Uh, they also did a Blade Runner game. And uh, and of course, they were responsible for the many early Command and Conquer games and spinoffs. So have you played any of these other Westwood games? Uh, I've played Dune. Uh, played that back in okay. the day. Um, I, I did play the Lion King, but I didn't know it was then. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, crazy. For the most part. 
Uh, I played a couple of the old Eye of the Beholder games because I am I, I had an Amiga back in the day, and they did release a oh, few cool. games on the Amiga. Um, yeah. So yeah, I pl- I've played a few of the games, but none that have stood out as much as the Command and Conquer series to me. That's that's the main thing that I remember them for. I mean, that's their flagship. Yeah. Franchise, yeah. Certainly seems like it. Uh, EA released the original Command and Conquer Red Alert as freeware on August 31st, 2008. So if you'd like to play it, I've actually got a link for you here in the podcast description that it'll take you to the download. I believe it was Command and Conquer Red Alert, the original Command and Conquer, and then one of the Tiberium games that are freeware. So if you'd like, if you're like listening to this podcast and you're like, man, I could go for some Command and Conquer. Where's that Command and Conquer at? Let me tell you where that Command and Conquer at. It's in the it's in the podcast description. But also, it's super hard to buy these games. Yes, we discovered this. <laughs> yes, like, like I was like, hey, you want to talk about Command and Conquer? And you're like, yeah, I think they're available. And it was kind and of. And then we went them. hunting. <laughs> right, went hunting. So we found uh, Steam has one of them. I think like the first one. Something like that. Yeah, Steam's got then, a couple of them. I think. I think they're kind of spread about, and I don't understand why. Yeah, it makes no and maybe sense. Maybe it was like the the all the purchasing that went on. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but we found eventually on freaking Origin mm. <laughs> EA mm. Play uh, of all places. We're all super we'll super big fans of, of yeah. um, Origin and yeah no. but yeah that is where the literally the entire collection in one package so it is easy to get them if you're happy to put up with origin yes now here's the thing folks okay because i was trying to do this and i'm a i'm totally a noob at this if i got this wrong i'm sorry (laughs) but uh i try to download the command and conquer ultimate collection that's on uh origin uh, through EA Play that you get through Game Pass. Yeah. Apparently, you cannot get every Origin game through EA Play through Game Pass. You can only get a few. So I was actually able to get the original uh, Command & Conquer and then the original Command & Conquer Red Alert remastered as like a double edition uh, through that process. But I still I didn't get the ultimate collection. And which, you have uh, to have the premium origin pack or EA play thing then, don't you? It sounds like it. Yeah. Which I really want it though, dude. I know. I'm literally <laughs> resisting as much as possible, but I'm I just researching it's kind of rekindled the fire a little bit. I, I just need to yeah. hear Kira reporting one more time. Right. That's all I need. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, absolutely. I'm 17 games. Uh, yeah, There's a, a lot of pack. a game there. Yeah, because yeah. you've got the I think you've got the whole Red Alert franchise, you've got the whole Tiberian franchise, which is uh Command and Conquer, Command and Conquer Tiberian Sun and Tiberian. Can't remember the title of the third one. Uh, but then you've got Generals and Renegade and everything like that. So it is a substantial package of games. Yeah. Uh, that's a lot of RTS, though. I don't know. I it think is. I would burn it out is. on RTS Yo, after a little while. But I don't know. Well, maybe they, they'll make that available on another platform eventually. Hopefully. I hope so. Um, but, yeah, if you've got access to that and you want to play all of them, you can. That is available. And if you've got uh, the old versions, I don't mm-hmm. believe they work on Windows 10 anymore. So you need to be using an older operating system like XP or something like that in order to install oh, them. Shoot. I had some issues with that because I do have a Red Alert PC disc knocking about. 
tried to install it. Nope. This game will not install on Windows 10. <laughs> Which was I've nice. got an old uh, SimCity 2000 oh, disc floating around. And then I bought the PC. Oh, I love SimCity 2000. Ooh, we got to top SimCity 2000 sometime. At maybe. some point, yeah, that might have to happen. Oh, yes. Because I'm, yes. you... I'm definitely into RTSs, but it was more of a bleed over from simulation games that I got oh, into heck them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Excellent, dude. And I just I just played SimCity 2000 oh, fairly so recently. So the next time you feel like you need a break from Final Fantasy, you call me, <laughs> and we'll have, have a talk. That's all, yeah, we'll get it done. We'll get it done. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I bought a PC recently, yeah. and I have the SimCity 2000 disc, and I go and look, and I'm like, where do you put the disc? <laughs> they don't even make computers with with disc yeah, drives anymore. Yeah, you have anymore. to install one now. I had one from an old yeah. machine that I've thrown in this one. <laughs> right and then even if i did i mean that thing's probably not going to run on windows 11 or whatever yeah, this probably thing has not. in it yeah, probably there's not. no way so well i don't know if that freeware version is going to work for you folks you could try it um just you know make sure you got your firewall up and all that jazz yeah um next fact here ea promoted red alert 3 uh, which is wacky by the way and we'll get into that mm-hmm. they promoted red alert 3 by creating actual fake presidential electoral ads because the game was launched in 2008 which if you remember was an american presidential election year the slogan by the uh the (laughs) fictional president used in the ads was screw them all love it (laughs) which sounds like something an american president would would totally (laughs) use as a slogan (laughs) reality bleeding into the game there Right, exactly. Uh, what is it? Uh, See, we missed life a- imitates art. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's so yeah. true, though. It is so very true. It definitely um, is. But no, I mean, like, I missed a lot of this because like, we didn't really... I don't know if they use different ads over here in the UK. I'm not too uh, sure. that makes sense. Yeah, I'm not 100% yeah. on that. Because, like, why would they run a fake American presidential yeah. ad in the UK? Yeah. That's that's true. Oh, I feel I feel sense, robbed right? now. I feel like I've missed out on some premium <laughs> premium marketing. Oh, maybe they had like a fake like prime minister. Maybe maybe ad over there or something like that. That's funny. A fake uh, Tony Blair. Oh, <laughs> right, oh. something like that. That just gave me a chill. <laughs> Moving on. A chill. <laughs> uh, next fact here: If you go to Red Alert 3's IMDb page and check out its trivia section. You'll find that four out of the seven entries are about foot fetishes. <laughs> this is one of the most mind-blowing things in this whole podcast. I think, like, what? This is. What? Most of the trivia for Red Alert 3 on IMDb is foot fetish related. Why? I'd like, Why? It's, I, I, I don't even know. Like, I, that's insane. <laughs> that is insane. Do you reckon the person writing the trivia article for the game just focused on the foot fetishes maybe i don't know uh, i'm not sure right, there were, <laughs> like one of them was like the developers wanted to attract a larger audience so they decided to uh, have one of the models pose with no shoes on it i was like <laughs> how <laughs> what are the the stats on that demographic <laughs> does anybody know like if you're listening and you're like well i know like this percent of the population has a foot fetish if you know, like, I would love to know that. These people out have of not seen curiosity. my feet. <laughs> That'll cure any foot fetish. <laughs> You've seen The Hobbit, right? Oh, man. Oh, God. That's hilarious. 
All right. So as we were talking about earlier, kind of red alert, creating like an alternate mm. timeline sort of thing. Uh, a couple of facts here. The first red alert uh, evidently serves as a prequel for the Tiberian arc of the greater command yeah. and conquer franchise. Although as the red alert trilogy goes on, it also creates a new parallel storyline, which is interesting at the, at the end of the first red alert, uh, the conclusion of the allied and the Soviet campaigns are different yes. in the allied campaign. Stalin dies, right? And then in, uh, well, he still dies at the end of the Soviet one, but there's a few minor differences though. Yeah. Right. But there's very minor differences And one. He dies under rubble and the other one, like it's, it's like what well, I think in the allied one, like one of the allied commanders is like, Oh, he betrayed, you know, everybody. And then, or he's keeping secrets. And then in the Soviet one, you actually get to see Yuri at the end. There. Yeah. They liked doing that a lot with the games, like in the Command and Conquer series in general, at least at least the RTS ones, dependent on like which campaign you went with, you know, you got a different ending. So it kind of made canonicity a bit difficult to keep track of in a lot of ways. Because it's like, right, well, we're going on to Red Alert 2 now, so which ending are we using as the, the jumping off point? Do you know yeah, what I mean? It does so, make it a little bit Right, weird. no, yeah. It does. And I feel like that's where there's a, there's a theory that I saw from some fans that uh, one of them, the Allied mission, say, for example, yeah. the Allied campaign ending leads to the base timeline. That's the rest of the Command and Conquer series. And then the Soviet ending ends or leads toward the Red Alert and timeline. So it's almost Ooh, like, interesting. yeah, like an Ocarina of Time. Oh, you yeah. would have a delight with like the fan theories there. <laughs> I've, not, I've never really <laughs> dug into fan theories in Command and Conquer. You know, I might actually have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Pivot the channel they entirely. Exist. <laughs> There we go. All right. Let's call it Sector 7. As long yeah. as there's alliteration yeah. in the name, I can do it. Command and Conquer, <laughs> Final Fantasy. Just, just keep coming yeah. with the alliteration. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, Command and Conquer Red Alert is based on an alternate history in, of the Cold War in which Hitler is removed from the timeline via Einstein. <laughs> Einstein <laughs> traveling backwards into the past, the creating a new blowing. timeline. Oh, it so is cool. creates a like so yeah. The and I Einstein. <laughs> as soon as I saw like the intro to Command and Conquer One, I was like, I remember this. Einstein goes in the past. He shakes hands with Hitler. Hitler is just like deleted from the timeline, <laughs> gone. <laughs> and then yeah, gone. I was like, oh okay, I didn't know we could. That's easy. And then he comes back to like the present and it launches this whole different alternate history in yeah. which instead of a cold war, you've got a hot war now between Stalin, Soviet union. Yeah. And the U S and its allies, which in turn is then, you know, leading to a conflict, uh, with, uh, with Yuri and his new oh, psychic government. Yeah. So it's nuts. Yeah. As, as you were saying, it's nuts. That gives you the, that gives you that distance though. Do you know that like we were talking about earlier? Like having oh, that yeah. distance, yeah, and I think it's something that they kind of needed to do because they were touching on, like, it is quite a, especially back in the nineties, it was still quite a, a, a hot subject if you if you get what I'm saying. You know, the whole Cold War thing. It was it was still quite yeah. fresh in everybody's yeah, yeah. memories. So I feel like that distance definitely kind of helped. Yeah, because you still, I mean. Uh, when when did the first one 1996 yeah, 96. probably still had some like rural schools like practicing getting under their desks yep. and stuff like that uh and then the soviet union sorry i looked this up recently uh, i love history yeah first of all um 
One of my favorite books that I have is a, an old ginormous Atlas of the world hmm. uh, that my dad had uh, from his days as a Marine. Uh, and I held on to it after all these years, after all these moves and stuff like that. And I busted out every once in a while, look at maps with my kids of the world. And so, you know, with the recent conflicts that's going on, yeah. I thought I'd pull it out and we'd discuss, you know, what's where. I don't want my kids to be like those, the, the typical Americans that are like, there's America, then uh, uh, where's Britain at? You know, <laughs> I can't find like anything on a map. So <laughs> Is that, what was that statistic? I, I don't know if I'm quoting the statistic right, so I'm not going to say an actual percentage, but there's quite a large percentage of people in America that have never seen the sea, just purely because, or the ocean, because purely of how far away it is for a lot of you. Yeah, that's, that's, from the middle of the country, yeah. It blows my mind. Like, I can't yeah, You're on an it. island. Yeah, exactly. I grew up on an island. Exactly. Like, that's mind-blowing to me, yeah. <sighs> Crazy. Anyway. Uh, so we pulled out this map. No, that, that's, a, that's a mind-numbing statistic. It is, uh, it really idea. is. Yeah. Like, I can I can uh, drive like 30 minutes, 40 minutes. I'm at the ocean. Oh, beautiful. I, yeah. For me, it's like an hour and a half. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good. Uh, so I pull out this map, right? And, uh, and we're looking at the thing and, uh, and the map was pre 1991. So it says union of Soviet socialist yep. republics the USSR. on it. And I was like, wow. So this is like, this is like pre like a fairly major yep. shift in the European powers and uh, and different it, it sovereign was... states and stuff like that dissolved in 91. Yeah. So 91 and then the first game comes out in 96. So, yeah, that is fairly close. Five years, yeah. yeah. Another observation uh, that I had in looking over the, the three games is the first game is actually really straight faced. It is fairly serious yeah it kind of um, it kind of plays it straight a lot doesn't it rather than the, yeah there's a much more campy yeah much campier tone in the later games for sure i mean it's like it's like you could say command and conquer one is like like the like batman 89 maybe even batman begins yeah and then command and conquer three is like Batman 66, like Adam West Batman. <laughs> like it's, it's just, yeah, it's just out of control. Because, uh, I mean, they've got they've got a guy playing Stalin in the, in the first game, uh, like a real historical figure. Uh, you can actually track this, too, with two things. Uh, look at the portrayal of Einstein across the three yes. games. In the first, he, he, he doesn't do the, oh, I'm Einstein. Hello. I would like to tell you about all. You know, he doesn't like. Do this crazy like Dr. Wiley impression. <laughs> and then you get to you get to the second you get to the second game. And it's like that. The dude's obviously yeah. wearing a wig. He's like, he's just a cartoon. Uh and I think that they they axe Einstein at the start of uh of Command and Conquer 3. Uh but here's an even better <laughs> way to tell the difference is how the series handles women. Oh my god. In the first game, fairly again, fairly normal, just and there's there's some innuendo here and there. Then you get to the second game, you're like, this is weird. <laughs> they get to the third game, and it's like, was it Tanya in the third, or was it the yeah. second? I know Tanya's well, no, in she's one. She's in all three. Was she in all three? She's in all three. My yeah. man was appalling. <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, it's all good. That I'm there. Uh, yeah. Tanya in the first game 
is muted. I mean, like Tanya, besides, I mean, I'm not talking about like her voice because it is it is grating Tanya's voice in the first game. <laughs> She's like, let's rock all the time when you <laughs> click with her. But then, I mean, her character in the FMVs is like, yeah. is fairly normal. You know, it's not like over hypersexualized like female soldier. By the time you get to the second game, Tanya has just become very over the top, very like just you you know the developers are starting to think of Tanya now as eye candy. Yeah. And then by the time you get to the third game, that's like again, that's like slutty Halloween. It's that nineties that late nineties noughties rebellious phase that everybody went through. I think uh, I think it just kicked in and hit the uh, hit the and at least had Final Fantasy then Jesus, <laughs> but you know it hit the franchise and kind of changed things up a bit. Like they had to lean in. It was almost like they leaned into what they thought was going to be popular, and that was the more overblown, over dramatized, campier kind of let's just go mad with it kind of thing. Yeah, which seems like a 2000s yeah. gaming scene kind of thing. I mean, like you look at uh the the game that's what is oh. got loads of weird stuff like that. Like I mean, just thinking about all the media as well. I mean, South Park kind of burst into existence. You had the yeah. attitude era in WWE which was kind of fueled by that mindset that seemed to permeate society at that point. So yeah, lollipop chainsaw, wow. that sort of thing. Wow. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? Vaguely, I was thinking of games. Vaguely, like, okay. Remember Twisted Metal? I think it was and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, they were crazy. Yeah, the games. over the top yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, Carmageddon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, I feel wow. like that was the natural progression of like '90s Edge, just led yeah. to that, and then now. You look at it like the AAA scene. Now it's like we believe in the drama yes. of storytelling and a true art form. It's just like really like serious, gritty, grim type stuff. Like, is there even a single joke in The Last of Us Two? I don't know. <laughs> playing Elden Ring, <laughs> playing Elden Ring right now, and that's I need to get some that straight game face so stuff. Bad. Oh, it's great! It's yeah, great. I need to get Elden into it. Ring. Yeah, it, it looks uh, very fun. I've seen people getting obliterated by bosses and it's like i want to be one of these people <laughs> so yeah it's interesting to note that while command and conquer red alert is sort of about history it it has that that sense of history about it as well you can really see how they handle uh storytelling differently as as gaming kind of has moved yeah. along yeah it's very much a what if kind of story in a lot of ways yeah, it's, exactly. And then with the whole over top, over the topness, you know, like, so you can pick your, like, if you like, and there's people who love cheese. Yeah. If you love cheese, Cla Command and Conquer 3. Oh, you'll Red love Alert it. 3. Oh, you'll have a great yeah. time. <laughs> and if you like a little bit more serious stuff, then you go with Command and Conquer 1, Red Alert 1. Yeah. Uh, but moving on here. So time travel, obviously, is is the the gimmick used here. Yeah for creating this alternate timeline. Now I got a question for you, sir. Ooh. Uh, what is your favorite game that isn't Chrono Trigger or <laughs> Final Fantasy no! or Final Fantasy no! that has time travel in it? <laughs> I hate you so much. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, I am like, come on. Uh, you I mean, be like, oh, I know Final Fantasy. No. Um, let's throw out really quickly Final Fantasy 13 too ish because that's okay. more realities yes, and timelines final fantasy 8 yeah. has a big time travel and it's not so much yeah. time travel it's time compression and like the malleability yeah. of time 
If we're stepping Freaking outside Final of that, Fantasy One, yes, Final Fantasy One is yes. a time travel game. Yeah. Well, if we're stepping outside of the of my safe space, let's step outside yeah, of yeah. my safe space. <laughs> um, I mean, one that jumps to mind immediately is kind of Turtles in Time. That was an Ooh. insane game back in the day. So Super good. fun. Um, Earthbound's so a bit time travelly as well. Earth, Earthbound's yeah. got aspects of that. There's in some it. at the end. Yeah, yeah, I'm a fan of that. Um, I think in more modern games now, Bioshock Infinite, although that, again, it's more alternate realities in different times kind of thing. But yeah, Bioshock Infinite has got a bit of that going on, if I remember right. There you go. Those are all good answers. I probably I mean, say, you did it. I'd probably say it. Earthbound, if you don't let me have Final Earthbound. Fantasy VIII. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Well, you can say Earthbound. Yeah. Earthbound's a great Earthbound. game. I need to replay fantastic. it again. Like I know it's available on the Switch currently, isn't it? They've mm-hmm. just kind of brought it out there. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I think that's going to be me replaying Earthbound. I might have to stream that. Yeah, with Earthbound Beginnings too. Have you played that I first one? I have not played Beginnings, yeah. so that's going to be part of like the new experience for me. I'm looking forward to that. Very lucky, bro. I tried it. That is some rough stuff. <laughs> well, like difficult for, or no, like for the modern palette, it's just like right. it's very, it's very slow, very grindy. I didn't play a ton of it, but I was like. I don't know if I could do this right now. So <laughs> if it's just be forewarned, as long as it's not as because one I remember that was quite um, that sort of thing. You know that kind of personifies that slower pace that comes with the older RPGs and stuff like that. One of the main ones I think of is like Breath of Fire three. So as long as it's not worse than that, I'm fine. I love Breath of Fire three as well. Oh it's yeah, such a good game. I, I love that yeah. game. But there are certain yeah. points where it gets a bit. Just let me carry on, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally got you. Um, well, you'll have you'll just have to find out. Yeah, and uh, I wish you the best of luck, my friend. Oh. So I recently popped open a box I received from Joypad Lad, only to be greeted by a bounty of retro gaming goodness. Three games, including Metroid Prime for GameCube and a brand new Kirby water bottle to boot, straight from Japan, no less, for less than the price of a new AAA game. Plus, the dude shipped it out faster than you can say red mages read pages outrageously. For outrageous prices and new goods being uploaded frequently, you need to check out the good guy of retro gaming stores at joypadlad.com. Link in the description. You can get 10% off your order by using the promo code RED10. That's R-E-D-1-0. Let me know the well-read mage sent you. Back to Command and Conquer yes. Red Alert. With a, what was your first time playing this game? Do you remember so the, which platform, maybe? It was PC. And I think I okay. played two first, if I'm remembering correctly. I think around oh, okay. the year 2000, 2001, because I was already quite into like the Civilization franchise and Populous and things like that back then. Uh, and I think it was a friend of mine introduced me to Red Alert 2 uh, because we played it multiplayer. And yeah, that was stupidly fun. Some of the builds that we did were insane. But then I kind of went back and played the original Command and & Conquer and the original Red Alert. So yeah, I'd say around 2000, 2001. Okay. And there's a there's a bleed there, uh, right? Like you mentioned earlier, of like simulation games yeah. going into real time strategy. Yeah, because I mean, I think Age of Empires probably crossed me over the most because that's kind of like a hybrid of the two genres in a lot of ways. You've got that strategy element with our units, but then you've got like the simulation, colony management, city building kind of thing going on. So yeah, I think Age of Empires definitely crossed me over quite easily as well because i'd already played that it was like oh i can play this cool yeah and i think mechanically there's there's certainly a lot of similarity yeah 
between the way that you would play like just a straight simulation game and then city building in the Command and Conquer series. Oh, yeah, because you've so, got to plan your base out properly. You can't just throw things yeah. anywhere, especially on multiplayer. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Seriously, some now, how, of the people on multiplayer were insane. It was brilliant. <laughs> how old were you in 2000, 15? 2001? 15, me too. 15. So I remember playing this game for the first time and just losing. Yeah. And just being like, what the heck do I do? <laughs> Oh, old games did that a lot. It's like you'd start playing. It's like, oh, I'm awful at this. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Let's try and figure it I out. I mean, <laughs> the, I feel like this genre was like, was like big boy pants genre where like you had to know what you were doing. Yeah. Uh, otherwise you just, an enemy would come out of the black unexplored regions of the map and just demolish you. Yeah. Cause you were like, only building attack dogs. You're casually taking your time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're thinking, this is amazing. I can have fun and take my time. And the next thing you know, you're on fire. And yeah. that's pretty much how it I goes. I built a Tesla coil and then yes. the like allied tanks come and just stop <laughs> you. <Yeah>. Oh, memories. <laughs> yes, definitely. I So I think I also played it on PC first. Yeah. But uh, like our friend Oops Platforming on Twitter, who said, I spent so much time playing the PS1 version of this game. That's the version that I actually spent a ton of time playing as well was the PS1 version of the game. Uh, I still have it. I found it. It's uh, I don't have the case for it anymore. Um, And I I should have fired it up, but I didn't. There was in it, uh, you know, you could play like custom maps and stuff like that. One of my favorite things to do was there was a custom map that was like a uh, like a phone dial pad and the uh, surrounding it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like yeah. nine islands. Right. And they were square. I remember and that then one. around that was kind of like border um, a border of land. And what I used to do was just like like send uh, harvesters out to like the borders and just build up like the biggest cities imaginable. Yeah. And that to me was more fun than playing. Like, the campaign. <laughs> Everyone else is just like, yeah, yeah. The game's carrying on with itself and you're like, no, no, bear with me. I'm just doing this. Yes. <laughs> yes. You can't get past my double wall of Tesla. Coils. I don't think There's I ever played the PS one version of it. It's weird. Oh, okay. it's, it's like in the early days of playing games like that, like Civilization 2 on PS1, I absolutely demolished. I put hundreds of hours into that on PS1. But I think by the time I noticed Red Alert, I'd kind of moved on to PC for like the simulation games. That's quite weird. Quite weird. Ah, that is interesting. And so a question actually I was going to ask you at this point too was, uh, have you had much experience at all with real-time strategy games or just scratch strategy games in general, but more RTS on console. Cause this is definitely a genre that I think is best played on PC. Not much. There was one, okay. right. There's one game that I have to shout out and it's quite an obscure game. Uh, and it's a game called Z Z, which was on the PS one. It was an RTS game made by the bitmap brothers. That was really good on console, but I never played it on PC. Other than that, huh. I've mostly played any RTS on my PC. So, you know, like Total War games and stuff like that. It's always yeah. been PC. Yeah. Because uh, why would you? On And here's a perfect example of why would you. <laughs> StarCraft 64. Oh. <laughs> there, there might be somebody out there who's like, oh, man, but I love StarCraft 64. Check out my <laughs> I heart StarCraft 64 tattoo I got on my arm. And that's fine and dandy for you, but I don't think it's... 
that's the best way to play that game. It's the control system more than anything. Like it's right. far too limiting. Sure. It's like yeah. it's, I think it's the same sort of thing with FPS. Although I think there's there's less of a a, a, a difference with FPS. Is like people can functionally play FPSs on console with no difficulty. But it is mm-hmm. better on PC with the mouse and the key. Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas with RTSs, I think undeniably it's better on PC just because you've got more control. Yeah. There tends to be more options and mods as well. So, well, because I mean, what would you say RTSs are about? Micromanagement. Yeah, exactly. Like, and how the heck are you going to micromanage with like six buttons? Good luck. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, navigating, like I, like I say, I played Civilization 2 a lot on PS1 just because I didn't have it on mm-hmm. PC when I was younger. Um, right. And looking back at that now, I cannot touch that game on PS1 since I've been spoiled by PC. I, I tried oh, to yeah. fire it up no, a few years imagine. ago just for the nostalgia of it, and it was just night and day. It's like, oh, I can't do this. I, I need to be able to scroll yeah. around with my mouse and what, what? No, back to PC. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, there's a comment here from Edge of the Prodigy who said, I played that game, uh, speaking of Command and Conquer Red Alert, so much growing up until StarCraft came. Yeah. And thinking about RTSs and how they've developed over time, again, and it's remarkable seeing how just the Red Alert trilogy mm-hmm. has evolved over time uh, or how it did evolve over time. But like playing Command and Conquer 1 recently, uh, the remaster was cool in that you could have like the remaster graphics or the original graphics, or you could do like old school style controls, or you could do new like modern controls. Uh, and so I appreciated that that was in there, but trying out like the original controls, I was like, like man, this has been like well iterated on yeah. since. And you think of Starcraft, one that I'm playing recently, and you mentioned Total War earlier. Um, I've been playing Total War Warhammer 2 nice. and Total War Warhammer 3. I've still not played the excellent. Warhammer ones. I need to play oh, them. Oh, they're so good. I played good. Rome and Shogun them. a lot. Like, I love Rome and Shogun. Oh, yeah. A lot of it comes from, like, historical interest in, like, the Shogun and, like, yeah. the Roman Empire and things like that. But, yeah, I, I did play Warhammer when I was younger. I had the models and everything. So I, I oh, really man. should. I really should play. Total hey, War. let me know if you get into it because there's, there's multiplayer. Oh, I will um, let you know. Just, we'll rock that. I will check that uh, out. But the thing with that, though, is like playing, especially like Warhammer 3 just came out like last month. And I'm like, this is so much more complex. It's so much more micromanagement. There's so much more going on than the original Command and Conquer Red Alert. Yeah. So much more going on. So that I could not imagine, could not imagine playing Warhammer 3 with a PlayStation. Oh God, no. <laughs> oh God, no. No, 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 yeah. no, no. It's like even yeah. with some simulation games, like I've played the console versions of a few of them, like a uh, Tropico five played that on console. Not a fan, much prefer it on PC, much prefer it. Uh, even yeah. it, this is one XCOM played that on console. Oh yeah. Not the biggest fan. Uh, you know, the, what is it? XCOM. What was the newer one called? Uh, I don't know. It wasn't enemy on Mario plus rabbits is what it was called. Yes. There we go. <laughs> But no, it's so much better on PC. It's weird how certain games just suit certain platforms better. Yeah, they're just yeah, they're just made yeah. for that. I think it's the control game. systems more than anything. I think that's what it boils down to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so experience with this trilogy, uh, you've played more of two. I've played more of one. So I feel like whenever I think of Command and Conquer Red Alert, obviously I'm thinking of yeah. the first one. 
Uh, and then watching the cutscenes, I was like, oh, this like went through dramatic yeah. like visual improvements. The FMVs were in hugely improved from the first game. Um, but maybe tell us a bit about your experience with the second game then. Well, the second game, um, I mean, I was introduced to it initially, kind of played through the storyline, enjoyed that, fell in love with Yori because Yori is a phenomenal bad guy. Like, he's so yeah, he's he's stupid, <laughs> he's insane, it's daft, but he just... It's weird, he kind of carries the cutscenes in a lot of ways. Like, whenever you see Yori, it's like, oh, things are going to happen, let's go. And that's kind of the <laughs> mindset it puts you in. So just seeing Yori is just a joy. Um, Gameplay-wise, a lot of it was multiplayer online with friends and things like that, and it would just be oh, building okay. some of the stupidest bases. Like, you'd every building you put down, you'd kind of try and put everything down in a grid, and then you'd have a space between like the thing that you were building. So, like, if I built a, a construction yard... I'd then line the exterior of it with Tesla towers, rocket launchers, things like that, and then put a wall around it. And every building would get that kind of treatment. So at the end, you've just got this murder machine, basically, in the corner <laughs> of the map. Anytime someone comes near, you just see about 30 Tesla cannons just fire at them. And, oh, but we'd, both, we'd all do this. So in the end, it would just become, right, I'm going to produce as many troops as I possibly can, and we're just going to end up having a big brawl in the middle of the map, I think. Nice. I can see that going that <laughs> see way. See who's the last one standing. Yeah, but, I mean, it was it was definitely it was definitely a change to what I was used, for play, used to playing. Like I say, it was more simulation-based that I was into. And for a mm-hmm. good year, year and a half, we absolutely hammered Red Alert 2. It was, yeah, very fun. Yori's Revenge as well, I think it was. Was it Yori's Revenge, the DLC? Y- Yori's Revenge, yeah. It was an expansion? Expansion, or was it yeah. DLC? Well, yeah, there okay. weren't DLCs back then. It was just kind of a full uh, expansion, huh? wasn't it? Uh, I'm <laughs> okay. Not, the the so modern like the game landscape broke the... me. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, nah, I hear you. But yeah. Uh, yeah, Brood War. Yeah, similar sort of thing. Yeah, it was kind of like a... It, it was basically a full game in its own right. It seems that way. Yeah. I mean, I've never played Yuri's Revenge, so that that was sort of the gist that I got from that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, man, was there anything cooler than Tesla tanks? No. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like no, straight up. Fantastic. Oh, Kerovs. Uh, Kerovs. Like, if, if you're not constructing a, a, a million blimps of death, what are you doing with your time <laughs> when you're playing this game? I mean, just to hear Kirov reporting, it's beautiful. You love reporting. In that awful yeah. accent that they all put on where they just, if we roll the R's a little bit, we'll sound Russian. Yeah, do that. Right. Right. Cool. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Uh, especially, you know, there's, there's few stars in yes. the first one. And so they, they all kind of just do like, oh, we're doing Russian. Okay. I guess I will sound like this and just roll everything. My name is Sergei. Like, I, sure. <laughs> Yeah, Sergei Kukov. Yes. Uh, oh man, and then you get to uh, yeah. Was it what was the name of the premiere in the second game? Uh, oh, the, was it? Had the white regalia. Yeah, the one that Yori's like mind controlling. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, spoilers. Oh, I can't remember his name now. Uh, well, anyway, he uh, yeah, his his performance is just. Again, he's like a Batman 66 villain. Romanov. So over the top. Romanov. Romanov. This is the premier Romanov. Yeah. You're so much better at that than I am. (laughs) Oh, I got Brilliant. a little bit of Russian in me. Brilliant. Uh, Yeah, but he would, uh, I feel like he 
was one of the most over the top actors in the second game. Yeah. Uh, Yuri, Yuri does this really like genuinely like scary, yeah. but still like Saturday morning cartoon villain. Yeah, he comes off as like an un, yeah, exactly an unhinged Saturday morning cartoon villain. That is the best way. Yeah. Oh, he would do like, <laughs> like very, yes, comrade, like very slow, like whispery voices. And that intense look that he'd give the camera. Oh, my right. God. And just like stare into the camera. Whereas everybody else is just like, I'm the president. Yeah. And, the, uh, and then the Russian guy. So all over the place. Uh, I feel really like those, those scenes help to uh help to like tie together because earlier you were saying like it's difficult to attach kind of emotions to little tiny like units walking across the screen yeah like even if i wanted to bring up for a second the voice changes between the units um in the first game to the second game and like in the first game engineers oh it's like engineers reporting (laughs) yes sir uh and then in the second game they sound like less Crazy, I guess. Less caricature-ish. Like, yeah, there's the word. Yeah. Less, less caricature. of a caricature. That's the one. Yeah. And then Tanya, again, sounds yeah. less like, let's rock! But in the second game, she's more, she sounds more like a human threat. being. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. So uh, a statement here from Yemi the Ferret. I never played Red Alert, but I was all about Generals and Zero Hour. Uh, quite a few games to mention. Yeah. And Carrie 86, which are your favorite protagonists? So we're going to take that as characters because protagonists in this setting is kind of difficult since you're like, they talk to you, the player as like a general. Um, but did you have favorite characters just across this? You know, you mentioned Yuri earlier. Yeah. I mean, for some reason, I seem to like the bad guys more in these games. Like with the, with the original kind of the Tiberian timeline that's going on, like Command and Conquer, Command and Conquer 2, Command and Conquer 3, it's definitely Kane, like, who's the leader of the Brotherhood of Nod big fan of that character it's just so much fun and then with red alert it's exactly the same yori just kind of pops in and it's like oh my god who is this guy he is phenomenal so yeah i kind of lean i definitely gravitate towards the bad guys more in this game which is yeah it's interesting like i think there's more i think because the crazier there's more fun to them and you're more likely to connect to them whereas on like the Allied side and on on the Allied side and in the Tiberian campaign, I think it's the GDI. Yeah, it's the GDI uh, in the in, you know like in the normal franchise. Um, mm. They kind of come off as a bit bland, a little bit for me. The Allied yeah. side and that, the, you know the good guys, they just come off a bit bland. Right, right, right. So yeah, I definitely yeah. gravitate more towards Yuri, Kane, those sort of characters. Brilliant, Einstein as well. Obviously, you got to love crazy Einstein. Yeah, the uh, caricature is perfect. Yeah, yeah, hundred uh, allies. Yeah, allies don't have a ton going for them. Uh, in, in the red alert cutscenes that I saw, they've got uh, you know, some very uh, kind of by the books portrayals of yeah. of allied generals, uh, which are fine. They're just in a specific context, uh, and then I feel like allies have got like Tanya and Einstein for caricatures. Yeah. Whereas when you go over to like yeah the other side, then it's it's just like comic book supervillains yeah, all over the place. It's all insane like, and it's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything more? I mean, to me, like as a as a lifelong Tim Curry fan, yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the one of the most enjoyable things was his Premier Chordenko, yes. and everybody knows like the the quotable from these games. 
is I'm escaping to the one place that has not been corrupted by capitalism. And he does that little <laughs> laugh that <laughs> space <laughs> it is so, it is so. Yeah, it's utterly so insane. And that's what I mean. Yeah. I just think, I think the Soviet side and the Brotherhood of Nod side, because they've got that insane, crazy Saturday morning cartoon character villain thing going on. It just works. It, it just works. Yeah. It's so endearing. Especially with the live actors, yes. I think. Because there's a chance there to embrace the campiness, to embrace the, the kind of the cheesiness of it, which leads us neatly to a subject that, of course, we want to talk yes. about. Uh, something these games are known for, which are the FMVs. Now, if you don't know... Uh, those of you younger in the audience, perhaps an <laughs> FMV is a full motion video. What that was, uh, and there are still games that do this. I understand, uh, just not at the same level of mainstream awareness. Yeah. I think. Yeah, you don't really see it were... that much. Everything tends to be computer generated these days now, but you do see it now and again, and it is nice. It's a nice right. little nod. Yeah, um, like I'm thinking about that one game that was canceled, uh, the streamer girl game. Did you see that? I did it was not. Like, that sounds it was like equal parts what? entertaining and horrifying. <laughs> so you played as like the moderator for like oh God. a a streamer girl oh God. who was being like stalked or something like that. And like the moment Ooh. you see the trailer, you're like, wow, this is like really like like unsettlingly controlling and like touches on some bizarre issues of like like it was kind of like stalking a female personalities. Them. Yeah, but it seemed like it was just handled in like a really crude way. So they were, the backlash was enormous, and I guess they canceled right. it. Eventually. Yeah, I can imagine that was going to be an FMV game. Yeah, I can imagine some of the bad things that were going on there. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Maybe they'll recycle the Amaranth, concept and the game. approach it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> moving on yes moving on yeah so they're out there all that to say they're out there uh there are there are some new games uh typically in the indie sphere maybe double double a sphere but triple a is is obviously really concerned with and this is bizarre to me like triple a is like so we're gonna hire this celebrity we're gonna motion capture their their performance we're going to facial capture their 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 facial expressions. We're going to record their dialogue, and you're going to get the most realistic portrayal of, of from Keanu Reeves that you could possibly imagine. And they could have just recorded Keanu Reeves like with a camera and stuck it in the game because FMVs exist. And computer so graphics I'm thinking, are reaching the point now where there's not that much of a difference, <laughs> right? You could I just mean, we'll look at them. <laughs> The Matrix 3. Oh, my God. Right? Or is it 4 just trailer. came out? How many of these? There are five? There's too many. Are you talking about uh, the, the tech demo thing that they did on the PS5? No, the, uh, the recent... Oh, the actual movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, actual yeah, movie. Because yeah. what is that? That's an FMV. Yeah. I mean, it's super CGI. Do you just stick a couple scenes from that in a video game and you've got FMVs all over again yeah. and then you don't have to do the whole thing. Well, like, Oh, look how realistic our fake CGI skin texture is but like, it's just use the person. actual, yeah. yeah, an actual person. <laughs> so it makes me wonder, uh, as does our friend Summerfelt R on Twitter who asked, what are your thoughts on live action cutscenes of video games? Should they even happen? Uh, I think they should come back because gaming is already using, you know, uh, they're already leveraging 
big games on the backs of celebrity clout. Uh, they're already making movies that are, well, yeah. are pretty much half computer generated. Well, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, this is it. The yeah. bulk of it. No, ninety percent is is green screen. Yeah. Yeah, it's, a lot of it's green screen. I mean, look at the Uncharted movie. Yeah, yeah. there. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, to me, it's it's bizarre to be like, here's an Uncharted game that looks super realistic, and here's an adaptation of that that's a live action movie that's super realistic, and like you guys could have just made one thing. Yeah. And combined <laughs> that together. Uh, a film objective says FMV still exists in nostalgic spoofs like Strafe 2017, but I don't think it will ever be used seriously again. And the point there, a keyword there is seriously. Yeah. For me, that's okay since I prefer a game to keep all its visuals in the same reality. Uh, even pre-rendered intros I used to wish were in engine for that reason. But he says seriously there. Um I feel like Night Trap is another big example yeah. of an FMV game. And then certainly the Red Alert games, Command & Conquer. The X-Files there, game. It's not used seriously here. Did you ever play the X-Files game? I think it was on four discs, if I remember right, and that was mostly FMV. Great game. There was, there was a lot more of it back then. And I kind of do I kind of do see what Film Objective is saying there. It kind of it might break the immersion. In, a, in some games, if you were to kind of put real FMVs in there. But I think with games like exactly what we're talking about now, RTS games and things like that, I think there's still plenty of room for live-action FMVs to exist and, you know, be a, be a positive creative output in these games. And it wouldn't break immersion too much because the bulk of the game that you're playing is top-down looking at sprites. You're going to cut yeah. to a scene anyway. Why not just live-action right. it? Yeah, you're going to have like you can't have a cutscene with just these tiny little units yeah, exactly. running around. Like they they they're not animated for that purpose. So I kind of do agree. You got to have Yeah. Yeah, you got to Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you can't just have little sprites running around talking to each other. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> can you yes. imagine? Exactly. Can you imagine if it just stayed in the top-down perspective for the cutscenes that I've been saying? It's oh. four discs, dude. You were right. Yeah, it's a huge game and that's cuz of the amount of video they had to fit into it cuz literally the entire game is you. It's it's kind of like a point and click adventure mm-hmm. sort of detective game where you kind of investigate in a mystery, usual X-Files tackle. Uh, but yeah, it's all FMV, all of it. Yeah, I need to fire this up. I love X-Files. Yeah, big fan, uh, big fan. I'm going to have to I'm going to have to check that out for the FMVs. So um, yeah, I'd be curious to know, listeners, if you think FMVs should come back uh, in a, in a either a serious way or a mainstream way. Uh, to me, yeah, it makes sense if they're using real actors, just film them for some cutscenes, yeah. you know. And if you're gonna have in-game stuff, I don't know, they got all kinds of computer doohickey things. You can like take his skin and stretch it over polygons and. I think that Stuff is like potentially that. the anything. next thing. That is potentially the next step that we see as far as visuals in gaming, because it is becoming, in a lot of ways, indistinguishable from right. the real if you're, world. If you're so, aiming for photorealism, yeah. at what point are you going to be like, we're just recreating what already exists? Yeah. So why don't we just use what already exists? And then add in the effects. Especially if it doesn't have to take up four discs. Yeah. <laughs> Compression is much better <laughs> these days. Discs and bigger. Right. We'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> we can yeah, manage. Exactly. For sure. Uh, and I wanted to give a special shout out here to Kane2342, whose uh, profile pic on Twitter is uh, Premier Cherdenko. Right. Uh, who said, brilliant, cheesy, and played straight. Even Tim Curry chewed the scenery like a pro. Yeah. 
Bifrost Bridge Studios is the creative architect behind the Gaia's Seed graphic novel universe, blending artificial intelligence, neurodiversity, and science fiction. Bifrost, a transmedia company, has now turned its focus towards Patreon, looking to beef up its crowdfunding campaign through digital and physical rewards, up to and including original custom retro gaming hardware. Bifrost has been a real boss supporting and sponsoring the Wednesday giveaways that I do weekly on stream at twitch.tv forward slash the mage. If you're looking for more of that sweet, sweet gold, check out patreon.com forward slash Bifrost Bridge Studios. Link in the description. A uh, big fan of Command and Conquer Red Alert, Fitz Retro, who left us like six uh, six tweet deep comments. Oh, yeah, of, like, I came back from stream yeah. and I had all the notifications. <laughs> yeah, it just fits retro, like lo- like loving this game. Yeah. So, but one thing that he pointed out, uh, he pointed out quite a few awesome things. But one thing that he pointed out, he said the superbly bad, the superbly bad live acting is somewhat redeemed by its insane concentrations of campiness, and that is again that's absolutely yeah. command and conquer three so you neither you nor i have played three right i've played a little tiny bit but i've not completed okay. it i've not you know what i mean it was definitely because it yeah, came yeah. along a long time after it was 2008 i believe so yeah. by that point i was kind of playing different games i, I don't even think i noticed it until after it was out <laughs> Yeah, no, me neither. I didn't know it was coming out. I didn't have a PC at the time. Yeah, at that point, it was just like a red alert's done. Uh, That was the assumption, red alert's done. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, And by this time, like you pointed out earlier, EA had gotten a hold of the series, so there was a lot of money they could throw at it. Uh, And so the cast in... like, I, I feel like cast members across the red alert series range from like... Did you grab a janitor to read that line <laughs> to this person is actually like a, a person who acts in movies. They just can't do a German accent. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> like the guy who plays Einstein in the first game, I feel like is like not bad. But then when you get to the second game, you're like, OK, he's Dr. They White. just dialed him up to 50. <laughs> not 11, right. 50. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> But then you've got, uh, you know, before we get to some of the big household names, um, the guy who played Yuri, uh, yes. one, I don't know how to pronounce his name exactly, Udo uh, Kier? I, I think that's uh, Udo or Udo, maybe. But yeah, Udo you're close. Udo. I think okay. you're close. I think you're close. Okay. I, uh, Udo, if you're listening, please correct me. Uh, German actor, but he's done uh, a ton of films. Mm. Like, I was looking at his... Uh, his filmography, like his first credit here was a short film from 1966 and he's been acting. He's got, he's got, uh, projects to be announced. So he's still acting. Love that. Um, Absolutely. And love he's, that. so that's definitely like a, like a, a learned actor who's done, you know, a variety of things. And obviously there's more than just the actor. There's the director, the writer, all kinds of things that go into the performance that we see. All that said, I feel like Yudo Kier's uh, Yuri is, again, one of the highlights. Yeah. It's just that it's... He does a brilliant job of pulling off. Like, it's it's cheesy and it's campy, but you still enjoy it. You know, like, normally when something's cheesy and campy, sometimes, like, an alert goes off in your brain, like, oh, this, is, this isn't that good. 
This is a knock on. <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah. You, Some people love that stuff, yeah, but yeah, for me, that's the that's the same thing. Yeah. Well, I'm like, ah, stop winking at me. Yeah, that's the thing right yes. there. Okay. With, when you're talking about camping or camping, when you're talking about <laughs> something being camp, campy, not camp, I'm about to go on a tirade about camping. Like, you know, tents. I love the outdoors. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> campy. Uh, it's like when, when actors are constantly winking at the camera, yeah. like they're, <laughs> we're making a joke here, laugh, that sort of thing laugh. to me. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> it's like a laugh track <laughs> to me that wears eventually, um, unless it's just done well enough, but I feel like Yuri, you can get away with it maybe not- once. Sparsely, right, right, yeah, right. you can maybe do like one moment if it fits, but yeah, when you just constantly kind of like breaking the fourth wall to a degree like that, it's oh, just yeah, bad. dude. I've talked to so many junior hires who think breaking the fourth wall is the best no. possible thing you could do in storytelling. I'm like, it gets old, really, uh, like fast. It's a gimmick. It's uh, there's Deadpool fans who are writhing right now, but I'm sorry, I think, with just... Dead, I think Deadpool gets away with it because that's the premise. That is pretty much the whole. <laughs> you know what concept. you're gonna get. Yeah, you exactly. This, yeah. <laughs> Whereas, like when you're watching something else and a character just blatantly break keeps breaking the fourth wall, it's like, what are you doing? I'm trying to be immersed yeah. here. Stop it. <laughs> right, right, right. And it depends on the context that exactly. it's inserted. But I think that uh, Yuri's character yeah. is one that like takes itself seriously. Like his performance yeah. takes itself seriously. He's in it. You can see that he's actually. Regardless of how cheesy and campy the character and the lines are, he's in that character. He's not. He's not the kind of. I mean, he is playing that character, but he kind of puts everything into it. And the same with a lot of them, especially in Red Alert Three, when you get to like, you know, some of the bigger names stepping into the franchise, you can see that they actually get into it and they're enjoying themselves to a degree, and it's brilliant. Yeah, I think that definitely comes across. Um, so another name that I picked out was the president in the third game. Or no, 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 no. President in the second game, uh, played by one Raymond Wise, uh, American actor known for Twin Peaks. Uh, and yep. then a couple of other, uh, some of my favorite films, Swamp Thing from 1982 Swamp and, Thing. and wow. Robocop. Yeah. yeah so this Robocop. guy, again. This is an actor who's who's been around, who's done things. He's not the janitor that they just grabbed to to read some lines. This is this is a guy who's been acting since 1969, uh, and it looks like he just had a film where he played Merlin uh, in 2001. So yeah, he's he's still doing stuff. He's definitely one of those actors, and there's a few of them in the Red Alert, especially in RA three where you don't necessarily remember the name, but when you see the face, it's like, oh, it's... And you remember (laughs) all of the things that you've seen him in. Because, yeah, the body of work that he's been involved in over the years is substantial. Right. Uh, Another name that people would probably recognize, uh, thanks to Mandalorian, is Gina Carano, um, the controversial Gina Carano. Uh, (laughs) One of the... (laughs) Maybe the only sort of like uh maybe the only female actor name that stands out in red alert yeah i feel like they they picked like some models and things like that here and there that haven't done much else um but she's certainly done quite a bit uh jonathan price uh, who I, i jokingly refer to as 
the lawyer from uh, Jurassic Park. Tell me he does not look like the lawyer from Jurassic Park with a straight face. A little bit, a little bit. But <laughs> for me, he is forever the High Sparrow from Game of Thrones. Now that's it. Like, oh my goodness. Oh, he's not so, the Pope for you? <laughs> I mean, the Pope as well. I don't There's so many things. Like, he's another one of those people. Like, again, I never remember his name. But then when you see him, it's like, oh, he was in this. He was in this. He was in this. It's yeah. mind-blowing. Yeah. Maybe he's been in of Bond the enti- movies. Yeah, no, I mean, maybe of the entire cast of like all three games, maybe the most storied actor, the most prolific. Probably, actor. yeah, yeah. I would, I would agree with that, or at least I wouldn't argue with that. Seven, nineteen seventy-two, he started. Probably the most awarded actor. Yeah. Uh, of, uh, I mean, he's been knighted for crying out loud. It does show how much they went for it in the latter games, like a hundred percent as far as the yeah. cast goes and getting people in. And I think they made a lot of good choices as well, for, you know, for yeah. people to portray the characters, the crazy, crazy characters that they had in mind. I mean, I want to know how that phone call went. <laughs> they're like, hey, Jonathan, Jonathan. So are you sitting down? Uh, <laughs> we want you to play <laughs> a part in this game in which Russians go back in time and delete Einstein from the timeline. Are you there? Hello? (laughs) But he did it. I mean, and that's cool. I mean, this, this, you know, this is a guy who's been doing like Hamlet and stuff like that. Yeah. That's insane. (laughs) And to have him kind of show up and, and not necessarily just like phone it in, but show up and give a performance uh, for this rather cartoonish game is I think amazing. Yeah, he's not the only. This is there's so many of them. This is it's mind blowing. Like I'm looking at this list now of the cast, and wow. <laughs> yeah. So another was J.K. Simmons. Yeah. Who plays the president, the American president in uh, in Red Alert Three? Yeah, George Takei is another one that was in here, and he plays again. There's so many caricatures. You know, he comes on. And he's like the Royal Dragon Imperial. The Imperials <laughs> will now doing his thing, and like well, yeah, the dude is... could have been like, "Nah, I'm not gonna do that," but he did. That's awesome. Oh, Sulu gets into it. Sulu, Sulu goes for any role that he's given. He just puts everything into it. I love him. I absolutely love yeah. him. Yeah, okay. Uh, and yeah, it's it's it's. I don't know. With adding that third faction into Red Alert Three, they definitely needed to get someone big to carry it and I, I think they pulled that off <laughs> right because you're you're tacking on now like a like a, the a Empire far of east Japan, was it yeah, yeah something like that um faction in a series that's been just dominated by you know like soviets versus allies um and i think yeah you needed to attach somebody to that david yeah. hasselhoff madness, Absolutely <laughs> madness. what has he not been in Right, he was in SpongeBob SquarePants for crying out loud, and he's also in Red Alert. Like, okay, now he was one that I did not see when I played the uh, when I played the or no, yeah, when I was watching the cutscenes, I didn't see David Hasselhoff's character, but I saw him in a list of the cast members, and he played the American Vice President. Which, looking at David Hasselhoff, (laughs) thinking about David Hasselhoff, I'm surprised he hasn't tried to run for president yet. I'll give him a few years. After after seeing Trump <laughs> pull it off, I'm sure a few of them are thinking now, wait a minute, wait a minute. The yeah, Rock's ready. 
<laughs> yeah. Dwayne yeah, Johnson's I mean, ready to go. <laughs> Schwarzenegger's in politics. Yep. Like you could anybody can. And then for me, the 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 ultimate yeah. cast member, Tim <laughs> Tim Curry. Tim yeah. Curry. Every scene that I see Tim Curry in when I watched Red Alert 3 was just sheer joy. Yeah. Sheer joy. Another one of them that just commits one. This is what I mean. They just made the best choices in Red Alert 3 for some of these characters. Because these are actors who, like other actors would probably go in and like we were saying earlier with uh, Jonathan Price, like get that phone call, laugh a little bit and hang up. And if they do turn up, they're just there for kind of a wage. Whereas these guys jumped into it and yeah, so good. Tim Curry is amazing in the third. He is, yeah, yeah. And this is so you can you can on YouTube you could just watch all yeah. the cutscenes from those games. If you've got a couple hours to sync, I would yeah. highly recommend doing it. Yes. Yeah, I think I think the video for the Red Alert three one's like an hour and forty minutes, something like that. Well worth. Yeah. It. Well. Worth and some it. of them, uh, there's several to choose from. Some of them have like you know, uh, like battle footage in there that you could skip through if you wanted to, um, but. I just watching these like to kind of catch up on the series actually wound up being very entertaining. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. It is. And this again, it just feeds into those brilliantly bad acting scenes. Cause they were brilliantly bad. They were bad, but it was, it circled around into brilliance. It, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so it's, again, it's it, the way it's framed. It's, it's, it's like they the the actors aren't taking it too seriously because the director and the script isn't taking it too seriously. I mean, like I'll escape to the one place that has not been corrupted by capitalism space. What a stupid line. <laughs> but like it delivers it with so much energy. Yeah, it convinces you just that performance convinces right. you. It's like, right, fair yeah. enough. I'm in. I'm invested now. <laughs> yeah. And he looks like he could have been a Russian premiere. Yeah. He does. I yeah. mean, he just he blends into the role. He doesn't have the craziness that Yori had because the look of Yori was quite insane in Red Alert too. Because he had like the weird, he had like a shoulder, like his neck brain cases. Kind of, yeah, yeah, he had all this weird <laughs> stuff going on. Whereas with Tim Curry, it's very you could see it. Like it's not like oh, this wouldn't happen. It's like oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, in some alternate timeline, Tim this Curry is a Russian premiere. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I forgot the to best. mention Gina Carano is is the cover of mm. uh of red alert three and i never pieced that together i someday i'm gonna have to actually play red alert three because i'm sure there's other actors in there that i would recognize um but there's yeah. a, like what a dense cast see i think the thing with the weird thing with red alert three was like i prefer from when i played it i didn't play much of it but I, I just prefer two purely because there are some gameplay issues with three like there's definitely an improvement in the visuals in red alert three a hundred percent um but like, there's a lot of frame rate locking, and it makes the animations not look as good. It kind of slows up the gameplay a little bit, and yeah, what if I there's don't know. mods for that. There probably is, yeah. The, yeah. There probably is, yeah. but I don't know. Red Alert Two just feels like the sweet spot for me. It's crazy, but it's not. As from a gameplay perspective, at least, Red Alert Two probably right. fits me a bit more. Red Alert Three is infinitely more entertaining just because of the nonsense that goes on. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, we use a lot of uh, ice cream analogies on this show. Ooh. So like, it's like, it sounds like what you're saying is like, you know, I like ice cream, but then you, you, you like a, like a hot fudge sundae, but like, you don't want a hot fudge sundae, like in a trough. Yeah. Like, like yeah, it's too yeah. much at a certain point, you know? Yeah. There's it definitely just, a balance. <laughs> yeah. Balance everything in moderation. Exactly. I like ice cream, but I can't eat 
an entire refrigerator of ice cream. I would die. So <laughs> everything in moderation. A bit of final notes here on gameplay. Uh, I know you had you had something you wanted to pick up on gameplay. Yeah, so just it was kind of what I was touching on then, like with the difference between Red Alert 2 and 3. I mean, the addition of extra factions, well, the extra faction in 3, and there was a lot of... There was a lot of subdivisions as well. Like there was, there was kind of like sects of each faction in a lot of ways, you know, so that you could kind of you could spec into certain things and go down a certain route, so to speak. Whereas in the original one, it was just Soviet and allies basically. Whereas you could have like allied, and then a specific division, and then another allied, and a, do you know that kind of thing? Yeah, it was it was nice to see the layers that they added on top of on top of it. I just. I kind of feel it got a bit muddied by three, but again, my experience with three isn't the biggest. Yeah. Well, as somebody who is even further back, like command and conquer one, yeah. to me, it just makes sense. You've got like two main factions yeah. and you've got the different, like, you know, like you could play as the French, you could play as the, <laughs> like the acknowledged like Russian every time <laughs> you click on a unit. Uh, but having like the, Russians be like, okay, they they have more expensive units and they, yeah. they're slower but tankier. Yeah. And then the allies are – they're cheaper but they're lighter, so they're faster but they can't take as much damage. I feel like that kind of balances out the game yeah. in an interesting way rather than – you've played RTSs where everybody essentially gets the exact same units. They're just kind of reskins of each one. Yeah, whereas these, they had differences and – it, it was well balanced, like a hundred percent. That was one of the things that I think they did well across the franchise, with Red Alert at least, was the balancing of the different units, and there was a lot of diversity between them as well, rather than like you say, just cookie cutter in and you know reskin them. Yeah, that's fine, that'll do. They put a lot yeah. of effort into it, like a hell of a lot of effort into it, and they did with a lot of things as well, like the music and stuff. Like some of the music in Red Alert too is phenomenal. It's good. I was listening to the soundtracks. Actually. It gets you up for it. It gets you up for the battle. It really yes. does. So I actually forgot about you know, the the title of this episode. I forgot about Hellmarch. Yes. Uh, that oh, do, 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 do. So I forgot about that. And then when I fired up the first game, I just got transported back like 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> I was like this. It's amazing how music can really... It really, just really take is. Like, I, yeah. Not to bring Final Fantasy into it again, but the Pixel remasters oh. have done that to me recently. <laughs> you know, just hearing the old music. Yes. It, it, yeah, it's different, absolutely. but you can still feel that same. The You know, it still makes you feel the same way the originals do, in a way. It's weird. It's so good, though. But yeah, music can yeah. definitely take you back. And it's a big part of gaming that a lot of games miss the mark on. Yeah, the spirit of it is there. The essence. Yeah. The core of it, you know, communicating that. Um, on the last episode of Magecast talking about Final Fantasy VI, we mentioned Phil and I uh, that music is the voice of Shout these characters. Shout out to Phil that as well. Great speak. guy. Shout out to Phil. Oh, yeah, amazing. Super fun to chat with. Kino42Gaming on Twitter said that Hellmarch hits so hard, and it does. It really uh, does. So, my friends, this is, a, this is a series of games, Command & Conquer at Large, and a trilogy, the Red Alert trilogy, that I feel like with the RTS genre hasn't seen a lot of love recently. Uh, feels a little underrated and a little forgotten. You can go back and, and watch these cutscenes. You can go back and, and play the freeware downloads. Um, you can find them, uh, all of them available on origin, EA play, mm. whatever you want to do. If that's you, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> nobody's forcing you. It's real. Yeah. Tempting. It's there. 
So you can you can play these, and uh, and I think that's awesome. Um, it, it was definitely uh, an opportunity to revisit games from my past that I had not played for a long time. Yeah, I will say one thing. It's good that they're available. Like That is a really good thing that they are still available because too many games kind of drift into obscurity over the years. Yeah. And it's a shame. It's a big shame. Yeah. Obviously, I don't think, you know, um, well, there might be some games where, like, I don't care if that game slips into obscurity, like Home Improvement for Super Nintendo. Sure. <laughs> Fine. Uh-huh. <Who> right. <laughs> but... Uh, but games like these, I think that were, uh, that were influential in the development of the genre. Uh, these are, these are great games in their own right, but they're also influential games. And I think that there's historical value there. So you can find them. You can check them out if you want to here as we begin to tidy up things. Um, if you want to leave an audience question or comment as the audience yourself, you could check out, uh, my Twitter page at the well-read mage, where I announce the topics for each mage cast episode in advance, or you can email me at the well-read mage at gmail.com on uh, next episode. We're going to be talking about Spider-Man, which Spider-Man you're just going to have to tune in to find out Ooh. Spidey fans. But for now, uh, sector six, John, we made, we, you know, we made it through this podcast without really, talking about too much final fantasy and i'm proud of you i just want to say i'm proud (laughs) (laughs) i only referenced it twice maybe three times i'm I'm quite proud of myself and i've not mentioned the specific one once no no you've not mentioned final fantasy six once no no no. (laughs) i'm not gonna say it i'm not gonna say it i'm not gonna say say it yeah That is the forbidden word on this. I'm just kidding. Uh, Man, it was super fun to catch up with you and talk with you again and just reminisce and and have a bit of nostalgia trading back and forth on this. So thanks for being on the show, dude. I appreciate you. No, no. Thank you for having me. It has been a pleasure just like it was last time. And hopefully we'll do plenty more of these in the future because there's a lot of games out there. There's a hell of a lot of games out there. I'm waiting for you to do that Minecraft episode. That's the one I'm Oh, man. You got to talk to my kids. I've not played Minecraft much, but my kids every day. I'll give you the crash course. I need need to, yeah. If you want a Minecraft video, let Well Red Mage know. There you go. Let him know. You can school me on Minecraft. Um, Next time, we should definitely talk uh, SimCity 2000 as well. Yes, I'd be up for that. SimCity 2000. Uh, Simulation games in general have just kind of been a massive thing for me. Like Civilization, Sim City, just the Sim, because there was loads of different Sim games back in the day. Oh, Most yeah. people only know Sim City or the Sims, but like, so many games. Sim Ant. Oh man, Sim, Sim Ant. Yeah. Sim, Sim Ant. Earth can go die in a fire. Sim Earth is <laughs> it's so hard. It's not it's fun. So it is not. It's, no. a, it, it's a challenge, let's put it that way. Yeah, I was like, I don't want to do this. Uh, Sim Ant, though, I really Sim love Ant. Sim Ant. Yeah, big fan. Yeah. Uh, and that, yeah, I, I feel like though that's like the simulation genre outside of like farming sims and like wacky indie like goat simulator, cockroach simulator. I'm liking I saw, the survival ones a lot recently, like Rimworld and things like that. And Frostpunk, oh, okay. Some yeah, of them yeah. are brilliant. Yeah, I feel like the city simulator has kind of fell by the wayside a little bit yeah because it was an overly saturated market for quite a while like everyone wanted to make one yeah and then now people are like "Eh." (laughs) two minutes (laughs) (laughs) but dude where can our listeners find you 
Uh, so you can find me on YouTube at set to six UK. Uh, if you just put youtube.com slash set to six UK, you'll find me. And on Twitch at twitch.tv sector underscore six underscore. And you'll find me there. Or Twitter. You can find me on Twitter. I'm always about on Twitter. Just set to six on Twitter and you'll find me. Well, thanks again, John. It was, uh, I appreciate you. No, no, thank you. It's been a pleasure. And, and thank you to li- thank you for listening to everybody. Thank you for listening. Yes. Thanks for going on this journey with us through time, literally. Time travel. Time travel. Seriously, though, thanks very much for listening to this episode. It's my express desire that through explorative conversation, we come to appreciate this art form we call gaming that much more. And on the microcosmic scale, learn more and appreciate more each of the titles that we come to cover here on MageCast. Why not check out another episode? How about joining our Discord community? Find me on Twitter or Twitch at The Well Red Mage, and don't forget to leave a review or a rating on your app of choice. This episode may be over, but the legend will live on. Passed down by the dwarves, the elves, and the dragons. Your feeling of helplessness is your best friend, savage.